Definitively Speaking is a definitive healthcare podcast series recorded and produced in Framingham, Massachusetts. To learn more about healthcare commercial intelligence, please visit us at definitivehc.com. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Definitively Speaking, the podcast where we have data-driven conversations on the current state of healthcare. I'm Justin Steinman, Chief Marketing Officer at Definitive Healthcare, and your host for this podcast. Today, we're going to take a slightly different take for this podcast. Instead of talking about data-driven intelligence in healthcare, we're going to talk about the actual data itself, specifically in the field of genetic testing. Genetic testing is having a bit of a moment, if you will, with the market expected to more than double over the next five years and reach $10.3 billion. And with all that testing, we're going to create an incredible amount of data. And so the question that we want to explore today is, what do we do with all that data and how can it improve healthcare? To help answer these questions and a whole lot more, I'm joined today by Kamal Kohini and Dr. Rakesh Patel from Invite, a leading medical genetics company. According to their website, Invite's mission is to bring comprehensive genetic information into mainstream medicine to improve healthcare for billions of people. Invite's goal is to aggregate the world's genetic tests into a single service with higher quality, faster turnaround, and lower prices. Kamal and Rakesh joined Invite in 2021 when they sold Medmion, the company that they had founded in 2018 to Invite. Kamal is now the president of digital health at Invite, and Rakesh is a practicing radiation oncologist at Good Samaritan Hospital in San Francisco, as well as chief medical officer for digital health at Invite. Gentlemen, welcome to Definitively Speaking. Thanks, Justin. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Kamal, let's start with you. I just read the About Us paragraph from your website, and it seems like you guys are doing a lot. And I mean that in a really good way. But for all of our listeners out there, can you explain who Invite is and what it is you all do? Invite provides DNA testing in oncology, women's health, cardiology, the rare diseases, neuro, and newborn. Our digital health and data platform businesses help identify patients through early detection, and we're building genome management information across the patient's lifetime. The genome information can be shared on a global scale to diagnose more patients correctly earlier, bringing therapies to market faster. And, and what is genome information? And like plain English for someone like me. <laughs> so genome information is the information we capture out of a genetic testing. So we call it whole genome sequencing. Out of that, we collect the diagnostic information, then layer it with information that we bring in from our AI-based platforms to give a personalized information uh, that we build uh, for the patient over lifetime. Got it. And so what is your role at Invite? So my role in Invite, I'm head of digital health. Mm-hmm. My role is to build and commercialize the unified platform on patient engagement, early detection, decision support tools for providers. We also have clinical trials that generate real-world evidence and personalized genetic insights to completely transform patient care and outcomes. So I'll be working with various stakeholders by offering our platform to provider offices, health systems, payers, retail, employers, and a lot of data partners. Got it, got it. And Rakesh, how do you fit into the picture here? 
my role is the chief medical officer of digital health and data. And so I, I provide overall strategic input in the platforms that we build from clinical decision support tools to real world data systems. And you're also a practicing radiation oncologist, right? I am. And so I, I chair the high risk breast cancer program at a Silicon Valley hospital. Uh, that's for me, that's really important uh, because it keeps me closer to the ground, closer to patients and allows me to continue to develop my real, what I feel is a deep understanding of clinical workflows, the things that are working, things that are gaps and where the provider pain points are. Um, I, I feel that in my role, having an understanding and focusing on the why when we build things is, is pretty critical. Uh, understanding the patient journey from pre-diagnosis and healthy to, of course, newly diagnosed. Uh, when you develop a cancer diagnosis, there are so many decisions that need to be made by the care team and by the patient and by the family that I think having being closely connected to that is, uh, is very valuable for me as we build uh, the next generation platform. I, I would agree. But if I hear you correctly, you basically have like two full-time jobs. Uh, yeah, I'm also a uh, full-time son and a full-time <laughs> father and a full-time uh, spouse. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I couldn't be in a happier space. I think, uh, you know, I, I am largely my role is in, uh, you know, this head role in digital health at, at Invite. And at this point now, the clinical component really supplements my knowledge base uh, as CMO. So we're going to come back and talk about some of that in a second. So the, the reason we've invited you both here today is to talk about, as I said earlier, one of the hottest areas in healthcare today, genetic testing. And as I mentioned earlier, the genetic testing market is just exploding, right? According to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the number of genetic tests that Medicare paid for increased by just 230% between 2016 and 2019. And according to Fortune Business Insight, the U.S. genetic testing market was $4.4 billion in 2020, and as I said earlier, is expected to more than double in size to $10.3 billion in 2027. So what's driving this growth rate? Why is it going so fast? Well, I think let's, let's level set on what is genetic testing. So from, from my perspective, clinical perspective, genetic testing is essentially the sequencing of human DNA mm -hmm. in order to discover genetic differences, anomalies, and mutations that may inform our risk of disease. And when we think about genetic testing historically, it really um, gets its roots in, in germline or hereditary muta uh, mutations that we're born with and inherit from our parents um, that actually predispose an individual to a disease risk. And if we understand that uh, risk and understand those variances, well, then there's a, there's a belief that we may be able to catch disease early or prevent it altogether, which would be, which would be the, of course, the holy grail. But this understanding of genetic uh, genomic information also now more and more so, especially in oncology, also has an impact on personalizing treatment regimens because the there are so many novel therapies now that have been born that leverage this difference in tumor biology or tumor mutations that allow us to develop precision medicine. Got it. So you covered a lot of interesting things. There. Let's come back and talk a little bit about some of this precision medicine that you were talking about. That feels like another one of those great big buzzwordy things. How close are we to precision medicine? Or almost controversially, I could say, you know, it's always been precision medicine. My doctor talks to me and he prescribes the right drugs for Justin, which might be different than the drugs for my wife or my son or the person next door. 
Talk to me about some of this. Yeah, it's a great it's a great point, and and you're right. I, I think the couple buzzwords here are personalized medicine, precision medicine. So, you know, the goal for us is to really individualize a care path, give the right treatment to the right patient at the right time at the right dose, uh, managing outcomes with some of the impact on quality of life. You know, treating the patient holistically. So this, this concept of personalizing a regimen where guidelines might tell you the right therapy that's indicated for the right disease, but incorporating other factors about the individual's health to come up with a care plan is really the, the primary principle of precision medicine. Now, we're offering that uh, pretty routinely uh, now and leveraging our understanding of genetic information Again, in that context, precision medicine is developing drugs oftentimes or other therapies that target those molecular alterations in a very specific way so that you can eradicate the bad cells while preserving the good cells. So as a patient, how do I know if genetic testing is right for me? Is this something I go ask my doctor for? Uh, yes. In fact, it's, it's readily available. And most specialists, certainly in, in oncology, are incorporating this in their, in their decision tree uh, more and more upfront. And in other cases, virtual care networks have risen up, especially during the pandemic, where you can actually meet uh, with a genetic counselor and an expert to you know, assess whether it's beneficial for you. The cost of uh, testing has come down dramatically, and in many cases, is just a couple hundred dollars. Who's paying for all this testing? Is my insurance paying for it? In many cases, it is, uh, as the evidence uh, continues to mount and as the guidelines incorporate uh, genetic testing as a, a routine and, in fact, important component of developing these personalized care paths. Um, insurance is covering it, and in fact, it's oftentimes mandatory in, in term in, to determine the right treatment for a given patient. But in cases where there is curiosity or there is a predisposition, the cost of testing is as low as $250. So patients can actually ask their provider or even ask uh, some of these virtual networks whether they can uh, access this testing. Got it. That, that's amazing that that prices have just come down so much. So humor me for a second here as I think about this. When I think about genetic testing, and again, you could probably fit everything I knew about genetic testing before this podcast in like a thimble, and it might be a very small thimble. But when I thought of it, I thought of 23andMe. So how is what you're doing different than like a 23andMe? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, 23andMe has done a, a, a great job of, of patient engagement, and I think has had, played an important role in the field of genetics in the sense of um, creating awareness that information and variations in our DNA can actually um, inform risk. The difference here, though, is that it's really about discovering variation that 23andMe does for a plethora of different uh, cases not to be mistaken with clinical grade testing where there are certain diseases that we want to understand more information about and that go deeper into the various ways uh, that mutations present as well as uh, making sense of that information for true clinical decision support so that that information can be incorporated in developing a treatment plan. So in short, um, 23andMe does a, a good job of understanding variations but may not be at the level of depth that a clinical grade genetic testing would allow uh, physicians to make shared decisions from. 
Got it. So I have one more question on the genetic testing before we kind of go into some of that. It's kind of almost like a personal question for you, Rakesh. Sure. You've been practicing medicine probably for about 20 years. I imagine when you started, genetic testing was just kind of like not really prevalent or out there. How has that changed how you've practiced medicine? Oh, it's a, it's, it's a great point. Uh, in fact, uh, I have been practicing for 20 years and we were not trained uh, in routine uh, use of genetic testing, even for BRCA uh, and those that are very common now. And so this is a new field. It's very challenging for physicians, uh, clinicians to keep up uh, with the changing guidelines, with the changing evidence, and, and not to be outdone by the changing therapies that are available based on those results. So um, I would say it's dramatically changed. It's actually what keeps it very exciting as an oncologist, because we have so many more tools in our toolbox that are available uh, for patients. Um, we have patients with stage four disease that end up being cancer-free. And 20 years ago, that would be very uncommon. That's unbelievable, actually. I mean, just so you think about it. Yeah. Wow. All right. So I get it. Like genetic testing is giving us all sorts of new information that we never had access to. And it's creating this explosion of new data. The challenge with any sort of massive data growth, right? And, you know, everybody kind of works in data. We're all living in a data world is what do we do with it? One of my favorite sayings is we're all washing data and you're lacking any intelligence from it. So you're both running a business called Digital Health at Invitae. Digital health is one of those weasel words that can mean almost anything, right? So the FDA defines digital health as, digital health, excuse me, as the broad scope of digital health includes categories such as mobile health, health information technology, wearable device, telemedicine, telehealth, and personalized medicine. From mobile medical apps and software that support clinical decisions doctors make every day to artificial intelligence and machine learning, digital technology is a driving force or a driving revolution in healthcare. End quote from the FDA website. So that's pretty super encompassing, covers multiple industries and use cases. What does digital health mean in the context of genetic testing and more specifically at Invitae? So digital health is a new division at Invitae. Our mission is to detect diseases earlier, pre-stratify, and help individuals manage their predisposition to a certain disease or cancer over their lifetime. Based on our precision screening assessment or clinical decision support tools, we believe they will help providers access the right DNA test at the right point of care throughout the patient journey. These tests will have personalized insights for individuals based on their genes, mutations, and variants to help improve quality of life, manage the disease for better outcomes, continued patient awareness and engagement that helps in shared decision making. So that's kind of what we're excited at Invitae. As a cancer patient using this, is the oncologist using this, is the person doing the billing at a hospital using this, who's looking at this digital health platform and what are they learning out of it? So these risk assessment tools are being used by patients uh, and providers at health systems. So risk assessment and early detection saves billions of dollars. Our platform right now has digital engagement tools helping patients intake on personal history, family history, and we also have integrated digital chat. So this is the important component of the digital health platform to keep the patient and the provider engaged. So over the time, uh, you know, using our preparatory risk assessment tools, patients can be identified sooner for screening, risk stratified, 
qualified for supplemental imaging and DNA tests. So a lot of things happen before the DNA test because we want to make sure that we're identifying eligible patients for DNA tests. So that's where all the tools become very important. Rakesh, from a provider perspective, how, how are you using digital health? Yeah, it's a great question. I, you know, um, I, di- digital tools, digital health tools are essential. Um, frankly, the onslaught of evidence and therapies and decisions that we make, I often say that, you know, cancer is one of the most decision dense diseases. Patients need to make complex decisions. Uh, providers need to uh, keep track of complex pathways that are ever changing. And so for me, uh, digital health tools are required to make sense of all of that. Um, For example, uh, in oncology, we need to collect family history, personal history, and information is siloed amongst various data warehouses, meaning health systems. And for me to make a, a multidisciplinary, cohesive decision for a patient, I need access to all of that information at the point of care, meaning when the patient's in front of me in clinic, or at a tumor board where all the experts are uh, discussing uh, the patient's case. So digital health tools can be incredibly valuable of assembling all that information in an organized way, uh, comparing it to national guidelines, allowing me to prove medical necessity for appropriate testing, and developing insights and a care plan for that individual, and doing so over time. The other thing I'd say is that Testing and decisions are not a one-time event. Uh, you know, patients' individual medical and family history change throughout their lifetime, and a single patient may benefit from multiple tests, uh, both before a diagnosis and after. And so, staying connected to that patient is also one of the challenges that we face. And digital health tools are a great way to stay connected. So, let me ask. I'll probably betray my ignorance here, but I'll ask the, the question: Is I thought my genes didn't change over the course of my life. Do they change? Yeah, great question. Um, you're, you, the genetics that you are born with, that you inherit for your parents, are your genetics. However, there are other factors that inform your risk. So your environmental exposure, other medical conditions that you may have, what we call phenotypic information, are used in combination with your germline genetics that you inherited, oftentimes to develop your risk of a disease, but also to develop a care path. And then there are genetics of the actual disease tissue. For example, in oncology, there is tumor genetics. Tumor genetics are distinct, um, and that is what we use to leverage our kind of our our targeted therapies, for example. So, you know, genetics is a a umbrella term, a kind of a large term, but you have to really drill down what, what area of genetics are we speaking about. Got it, that really helps me a lot. So let's talk a little bit more about this cancer topic that we've been going around. So according to the AARP, an individual diagnosed with cancer will spend about $150,000 over the course of his or her treatment. How can a digital health platform help identify patients sooner? The one thing we know in oncology is that when cancers are detected earlier, the outcomes are better. And the outcomes can be achieved with less intervention and less treatment. So one of the goals of in oncology, I often say that the best way to treat a cancer is to never get one. So by using digital health tools to in, that will allow us to organize an individual's personal history, their family history, and oftentimes their, their genetics, we can actually identify an individual's likelihood of developing cancer well before they, they normally would. 
for example, when patients go to an imaging center, they go in annually, oftentimes at mammography, to see if there's a breast cancer lurking or not. And we have various risk factors, including breast density and others that tell us whether an individual is at a higher than average population, elevated risk, or a lower than average population, meaning maybe we can adjust the cadence of that screening procedure or imaging. Very similarly, uh, by incorporating some of these uh, tools that pull on risk calculators, uh, as well as these guidelines, we can take very early intervention so that if an individual is going to have a breast cancer diagnosis, by making a recommendation for an MRI, for example, of the breast, or understanding a genetic predisposition, uh, we can go proactively find a cancer when it's stage one versus when it's more advanced. And therefore, not only are the outcomes better, but the cost is more effective. But you can't actually prevent cancer, can you? Well, sure, you can. Uh, if you, let's say that you're born with a genetic predisposition, let's say BRCA, okay, and you identify that before you develop a diagnosis, um, you can take proactive measures, for example, a bilateral mastectomy, like Angelina Jolie, where was born with this predisposition, where her now subsequent risk of developing breast cancer is dramatically uh, low, almost down to zero in that case. And with that, are there other types of cancer where there are, there are the equivalent type of preventative measures available? Yes. In fact, we have screening procedures. Uh, oftentimes, having a genetic predisposition uh, gives us a, a road, roadmap or a playbook for the patient to be more proactive in uh, procedures such as colonoscopy, uh, supplemental imaging beyond a, a breast mammogram, and others. And the list go on, for example, in other cancers. And it's important to realize that a specific genetic mutation may inform more than one cancer risk. And oftentimes the other adage to know is that if you identify a genetic predisposition in an individual that already has cancer, for example, then we may be able to prevent disease in all of her or his DNA relatives, right? And those individuals, so oftentimes the best way to identify risk or elevated risk is through an affected family member. And so this importance of this cascade or family member testing is also a very important initiative in digital health for us. So are you like saying like family packs here? Buy one test, get one for your spouse? <laughs> well, you know, cancer affects uh, families and I think uh, as does health risk. And I'm certainly an advocate of using this digital engagement to identify risk before disease. And uh, families are very proactive to help each other oftentimes. That's great. There's got to be a population health angle here, right? I mean, as I think about this at a macro scale. So population health, pretty much, you know, cancer and the many issues associated with, you know, with it have significant impact on public health at multiple levels in the U.S. and worldwide. Years of life lost due to premature deaths, the economic burden due to lost productivity and the cost associated with illness and therapy, and the long-term effects of cancer and its treatment on the quality of life of survivors take an issue toll. It costs us billions of dollars, and that's kind of where we want to the risk assess at the population health level, because a proportion of patients that develop cancer have a genetic predisposition that they're born with, just like how Rakesh explained before, and thus often have a preventable cancer. The goal is to know it sooner. So by moving risk assessment upstream from specialist 
and involving primary care providers and ultimately the patients themselves at the population health level, we can really move the needle, stop the cancer and uh, early intervention will save billions of dollars on the health system and improves quality of life. This is almost like, like, you know, we talked about precision prevention, if you will. That's correct. Kind of a really interesting concept. So, Rakesh, continue my, you know, my medical education by podcast here, <laughs> uh, as I'm just learning a ton. So, uh, we talk about pharmacogenomics, another one of those things. And so, that's obviously, what is pharmacogenomics instead of me defining it? Why don't you define it? Have an expert say something. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Pharmacogenomics uses uh, genomic information to study individual responses to drugs and helps healthcare providers choose the right drug for the right individual patient. Got it. And is that the next step? Kind of we start with our genetic testing and then we kind of go to this next step of pharmacogenomics? Yeah, I think rather than thinking about it uh, as a next step, I think they're all important inputs to tailoring treatment. So for individuals that uh, require medication as a component of their, of their treatment, uh, I believe that pharmacogenomics is essential uh, because you really, by understanding the unique genetic characteristics, we can kind of replace the one size fits all approach of dosing and drug selection that is commonly used today and really tailor make the recommendation. We, we spent a lot of time today talking about cancer and genetic testing. And look, I mean, cancer, according to the US CDC, you know, more than 1.6 million people are diagnosed each year and, you know, more than 600,000 die from it. So it's a really critical area for us to be focusing genetic testing on, focus genetic testing on, excuse me. What other diseases are really good targets for genetic testing to kind of do more of this precision prevention? So we're expanding from cancer to other offerings, cardiology, women's health, pediatrics, urology, behavioral health, and of course, pharmacogenomics we just discussed. So we're also conducting um, real-world evidence clinical trials. We now have 19 health institutions participating, so paving our real-world evidence strategy so we can develop more clinical decision support tools for our providers, deeper clinical insights so we can help pharma cut down the time in discovery, regulatory approval, and um, patients' response to treatments and outcomes. And all this is great insights for pharma to help develop new drugs and also rely on the uh, genome information that we're going to provide. Got it. Well, gentlemen, thanks for your time today. This has been fantastic. I learned an immense amount about a new and rapidly growing field, and I'm sure some of our listeners did as well. If there's one thing you'd want our listeners to take away from our conversation today, what would that one thing be about genetic testing? Informed patients, empowered providers, and shared decision making, both for providers, patients, and advocates on early detection, prevention, and disease management. I, I would say that the, the data required by, by healthcare providers is becoming overwhelming. Having information such as an individual's genetics is essential for us to develop personalized precision care paths. It's in your DNA. Uh, don't be scared of it. It's going to allow us to tailor make treatment for you. So it really is all in the DNA. It's all in the genetics. That's fascinating, guys. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk. 
And again, to all of our listeners out there, thank you for listening to Definitively Speaking, a definitive healthcare podcast. Please join me next time for a conversation with Tim Bossy from System One about the current staffing and hiring challenges in all aspects of healthcare, from doctors to nurses, from cities to rural areas, from hospitals to doctor's offices. If you like what you've heard today, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about how healthcare commercial intelligence can support your business, please follow us on Twitter at DefinitiveHC or visit us at DefinitiveHC.com. Until next time, take care and please stay healthy. Stay healthy.